Welcome to Collision Cast, Fender Bender's official podcast, helping collision repair shop operators make money, save money, and work smarter. I'm Mike Munzenreiter, associate editor for Fender Bender, and this week we're handing things over to my colleague Matt Hudson, who interviewed author, consultant, and leadership expert Jeanette Wade about meeting employees' needs as laid out in her new book, The Human Team. Here's Matt. You are promoting a new book called The Human Team. Um, which seems to be about kind of like finding fulfillment among your workforce, right? And um, as you write, it's about the importance of bridging the gap between nurture and nature. Um, and I thought that was a really interesting concept. And I thought we'd jump right into this concept you write about um, that are the six facets of human needs. Um, and I'm guessing these are things that you help uh, instill in your business culture among your workforce. Is that right? Absolutely. So what it was, was that as a coach, as a business leader, I was finding out that many of the people I was talking to who are leaders, managers, supervisors, first are frustrated by human beings that show up. So people show up in their organization and they don't know what to do with it. So that's the nature side, right? And then we, what we try to do is from nature, we try to nurture the heck out of them with engagement and training and team building with limited results and we wonder what the gap is or why we can't sustain real team health. And what the discovery was is similar to taking Maslow for individuals, if you're familiar with Maslow's hierarchy of needs Mm -hmm. and turning that into a framework that teams and organizations can use to really get the most out of the team dynamic by getting six facets of human needs met. Yeah, um, and I guess I wanna, if you could help me build the connection between like how you take these facets and um, you know build that into your leadership style. So you are uh, achieving the directives that you want in your organization, but you're also uh, meeting these needs of your employees. Yeah, so the, the six are clarity, connection, contribution, challenge, consideration, and confidence. And these are the things that we just need as human beings on teams at work. And so when we get all six, and so this is holistic, it's a holistic framework. There are other authors or other consultants, coaches, business leaders talking about bits and pieces and parts of this, but taking a holistic view on the human beings that show up on your team, if you get these needs met. So clarity as the first one is really that without clarity, the individual or the team or the organization is living in confusion which is like being in the fog, right? Without a compass. So you're just wandering around and you're wasting money, you're wasting time, you're wasting effort, and you're not clear on where you should be heading, what your role is in it and when it should be done. So getting absolute clarity is paramount first and foremost, because otherwise we have a ton of misunderstandings and conversations, conversation failures cost us a lot of money. Every time we fail on clarity, it's about seven days just to get it back to clarity and understanding and can cost us thousands of dollars. Yeah, we've written a lot about, uh, you know, making sure your employees know what, why they're doing what they do, um, giving them a sense of purpose and, and certainly helps in that clarity department, I would guess. Absolutely. And then connection is really leveraging that human need for social acceptance And when we feel connected as a team in our organizations, we know we belong together. And when we belong together, we have higher loyalty, retention, we get more from the team. So when we're connected, we belong together. And that's just, we're human animals and human animals are community beings. (laughs) And so we need to ensure that we're getting the need for connection because when we're not connected, 
a lot of times we get dysfunction and disconnect. And quite frankly, if you've ever heard the term in psychology called othering, um, teams will, will point out to other teams that team A is different than team B. So we other team B or an individual doesn't quite fit in here. And so we other them. And so that lack of connection costs a lot of stress and burnout and fatigue and weight gain and, and health issues. So it costs our organizations, not only in benefits and health, but also if we could have maintained connection, we have higher retention rates. There were surveys that were done where about 70 to 75% of people could have been retained had we maintained connection, which is loyalty and belonging. They get bonded to us, right? Yeah. Uh, I'm noticing uh, that, uh, you know, the idea of great communication kind of underlies a lot of these uh, ideas, these six facets. Um, I was curious if there's a distinction between connection and communication and maybe how a leader interacts with their uh, employees. Yes. So if clarity and connection are needs that we have, ways that and how do we fulfill those needs, obviously great communication. We feel connected to our bosses, our leaders, and our supervisors, honestly, mostly when they listen to us. And listening is a lost art in many ways. A lot of leaders and managers, supervisors think they have to dictate or set expectations versus getting shared agreements and having real conversations with people. And those are, you know distinctly different activities. So just telling people what to do versus getting buy-in for them to do it is a conversation and communication. That's how we would get connected on our objectives. Yeah, just kind of want to get our listeners thinking a bit more about how they communicate um, in order to kind of reflect these, these values that you're, you're talking about. Um, I guess we'll move on to uh, number three. Yeah, contribution. We have a need to contribute. I don't know anyone, at least I don't, I'm sure in, in the bell curve of humanity, there is someone who does not have this need, but everybody I've ever known who's taken a job um, the night before and the day of, they're anxious about, I hope I can contribute there. I hope they get value from having picked me. I really want to give to this organization, this community. And so we all have a need to be able to contribute. And when we're not given that ability to contribute on the team, we get pretty complacent or we stop um, really interacting. We start to distract the team. We want to contribute in other ways. So we detract from the team. And so everyone has a need to contribute. They want to bring their highest best self, their highest value to the team. And, and if you don't allow that, you don't, you don't get them into the job in a full contribution by coaching them effectively, by understanding what they really do well versus just dumping things on them. <laughs> they can't contribute to their full capability. But the fascinating thing about contribution is that um, teams, when we're thinking in a team dynamic, a team needs to be the right size to get to contribution. So too often we make our teams too large and the contribution levels go down. So if you think about the Ringelman effect, which is the a research study that was done on people who do rope pulls. <laughs> and if you put one person on each side of the rope pull, they contribute at 100% each. The more people you add to the end of a rope, the less contribution per person there is. Almost to the point when you get to about 10 to 15 people on a rope, that person on the end sometimes isn't even pulling and they're, they're, they're just there for the photo op. Mm -hmm. 
<laughs> and so we see that in teams all the time. You'll have meetings for the sake of meetings and not everybody's really contributing. There's two or three people that are really truly contributing to the effort and the rest of them sitting around taking notes, checking their phone, not able to contribute. So the need to contribute is about team size, if anything. Excellent. Um, and next we have challenge. Challenge. This is the one I get a challenge on all the time. Because in the research and the observations and just experience I've had, um, people will say, I don't think my people want to be challenged or I don't think that's a need. And I'll say they may not want it, but they need it. And I can't tell you how many times I've challenged someone, which requires a coaching mindset, not just pushing people and challenging them. I'm talking really help them become their best selves. And so that's a coaching mindset. Anytime I've challenged someone to do something new or just do a little extra, could you give it one more shot? Could we, could we look at this a different way, change your perspective? Every time, either that, that moment or days and months later, I'll get feedback on, you know, I didn't really like that you said that to me or that feedback made me uncomfortable or you were pushing me into a place that I wasn't sure I could do it. But I needed that. I get that comment all the time. I needed that. I needed to be challenged. It got me to the next space I needed to be and the team to the next level. And we needed it. So challenge is a need. We have a need to get better. We have a need to want to figure things out. Otherwise, we become complacent. And complacency is boredom. And boredom is being checked out. And we lose productivity. Excellent. Uh, number five consideration. This one's pretty obvious. We all have a need to be considered. Without consideration, and we don't feel appreciated or regarded, right? So we will feel like we're able to do our job better if we are considered for doing it. Otherwise, 66% of people say they will leave their job if they're not appreciated there. And talent is hard to get. So retention is the key here and lack of burnout. And the more you're considered the more energy you put into things and the more loyal you are and the retention goes up. And so, but we tend to not consider the people who need the consideration the most, who need it. And that typically is what we would typically call our shining stars or A players. So we don't spend enough time on them. We just count on them. And sometimes we dump on them and they don't feel the regard and respect and attention that they need for the work they're doing. And we end up with what I call business astronomy, which is, we get one of three types of stars out of the shooting star because we don't consider them. We get shooting stars, they leave. You can't afford to lose them. We get falling stars, they become toxic to our organization and they start to tell people before meetings, don't bring up anything in that meeting, they'll just dump it on you, right? They start telling other people it's not worth it to put your effort in. They start derailing effort. Or my, my, I think the worst and saddest is that we don't give shining stars enough consideration. They become dimming stars meaning they just level down. They were willing to give 100%, 110% of effort. Everybody else is given 60. They're just going to level down to 80. They're still the number one player on the team, but they're just not going to give as much. And everybody follows them and everybody else dims along with them. And we wonder why. Uh, that's an excellent point. I, th I think it ties so well into the challenge uh, aspect that you spoke of in number four is that, you know, if you are trying to uh, challenge all of your employees and make sure they're all uh, advancing in some way, uh, that is giving them all consideration, at least hopefully. Yeah, absolutely. 
Cool. Uh, can we go to number six? Number six of the six C's um, is confidence. We have a need for confidence to trust ourselves, to trust the organization, to stand in a place where we can embrace failure and conflict and, and create new capability for ourselves and give back. And that confidence is the key, right? To enhancing all the other C's, it kind of becomes a flywheel on itself with clarity. We get more connection with connection. We can contribute when we're contributing, we get challenged when we can challenge each other appropriately. We get consideration. And when we're, when we're through consideration, we get confidence. We can push more clarity and kind of get a flywheel on these needs being met and really up the human energy that we're able to harness on the team. One of my favorite things around confidence, because there's a lot of work on confidence. You can listen to a lot of things from Brené Brown about confidence and bravery and, and stepping up in organizations. But I think, you know, embracing a growth mindset and embracing failure. I think great leaders and supervisors haven't embraced failure enough. When we, when we can leverage the mistakes and we can gain experience, we gain new capability and we get more commitment from people to try, we, we level up the organizational confidence and that need needs to be met. There, 98% of people surveyed said that, you know, they would perform better if they felt confident. If we're all worried about performance and accountability and achieving more and getting to outcomes, as leaders and managers and supervisors, we really must build up the confidence. But all the people who have confidence that, you know, if you have a favorite person you love to follow on podcasts or on, on LinkedIn or any, any popular leaders and managers or authors out there, and you say, wow, they're really confident in what they do. They're really capable in what they do. Many of them will tell you it was a long journey of experience, failure, mistakes, and challenge, right? <laughs> we need to allow that to happen in our people. And the need to be seen through those challenges builds our confidence. Yeah. Um, well, thank you for running through those. Um, I just thought those are really great points. We could start out by just going through them. Um, I, I love the idea of kind of working on the person, you know, meeting your employees at a personal level. And to that point, uh, when I read the list, I was thinking of it from a leadership perspective, like how a uh, someone at the top of an organization would deal with their employees uh, below them. But I was curious if in your professional experience, if um, you've experienced the leaders themselves, perhaps uh, not uh, attaining any of these six facets of human needs and, and how they might kind of work on that in their own, uh, I guess, their own dealings. Oh, very, very often. So I'm in full day leadership team meetings, probably close to 125 days a year. I've done almost 600 full days with leadership teams. And the executive leadership teams, this must start with them. I often say it's the airplane role. They must put the oxygen mask on themselves first, get their needs met, because many of them don't take time to get clear. They, they start chasing shiny objects. They start um, getting muddled in the vision. They don't translate it well. They don't create compelling vision. So them being clear on absolutely what we're going to say yes to, what we're going to say no to, where we're going and why, having very clear vision is really super key for them. Them being connected. And sometimes leaders feel very disconnected. They feel very, you hear the term leadership is lonely, right? Mm -hmm. So many of my leaders get involved in peer advisor groups, CEO groups in order to get a level of connection that they can't get sometimes on their teams. Contribution, um, again, you know, their ability to con contribute. Sometimes they wonder if they're not in the business as much, they're on the business too much, how much are they really contributing? 
and getting clarity around that ability to contribute. What's their highest, best use? How do we get return on individual from you as a leader? Are you spending time on $25 an hour work? Or are you spending time on $500 an hour work, right? And they start to find new ways of contributing and really start to get their needs met there and show their team how to do it challenging. I, I think too often leaders will get worried about challenge because they're worried about pushing too hard. They don't want to burn out their teams. They don't want to dump on anyone. And they're worried if they push too hard, the challenge will push people out. And I say, you know, a lot of times people want the challenge. They need the challenge. And so you just need to make it an appropriate challenge in clarity with your vision and get a coaching mindset around it. But leaders need to be challenged too. Many times I'll hear them say, I'm not aware of the issues because no one tells me. Mm -hmm. and, and they wanna get conflict and feedback and things on what they're doing well and not, but too often people are afraid to do that. So they need to use a tool around approachability to be challenged themselves and ask to be challenged and demonstrate being challenged in the room because they need to be challenged. Um, too often they get blinders on if they're not. Um, consideration. They too want to be loved. <laughs> leaders, great leaders and managers want to be appreciated. And that's that kind of, the, it's lonely at the top. People stop thanking you anymore and they stop appreciating you. And so we just need to be mindful that, you know, team health is a 360 degree activity and it requires all of us to get our needs met. So leaders as well. And so if you need to get your consideration for yourself from yourself, or from someone else outside the organization, you must fill your tank. You need it. You might not get it from your team. Mm -hmm. And then confidence, you must maintain your confidence as a leader. And one of my favorite tools that my leaders use, um, and I have some leaders like that's really fluffy or I don't see how that really applies, but I guarantee if you gratitude journal or if you just take time to be thankful, you, 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 got, you get to see the moments when you saw your capabilities and your team capabilities really shine and it gives you the confidence to keep moving forward. And if you take time just to step out of the business and think about what's going on and take a break, it does provide that clarity that, that channels your confidence to say, we are heading that way. With absolute clarity and confidence, I know where we're going because I took the time to take a breath and get clear on it. Yeah, very nice. Um, so I would encourage the listeners to uh, work on these attributes in themselves before they uh, or maybe as they are uh, working on that throughout their teams. Um, to close, I, I just thought uh, I would ask you to talk about, you know, in organizations you've worked with um, that are excelling at um, implementing some of these practices you talk about, just um, what are some of the benefits that they see or, or, you know, theoretically that they would see? So they're seeing burnout go down. They are getting higher levels of retention they're saying trust in their organization becoming a catalyst for real results. They, they have complete transparency in things. Um, just about anybody anywhere challenges everybody in their organizations and, and they start to get clarity of all the issues, opportunities, everything going on. And they move it forward as an organization. They don't dwell on it and beat it up, beat up, beat it up. They move it forward and they get real solves and decisions and action and things. And so team health is really the catalyst to culture. And that's what these six facets of human needs do. They increase team health. And if we think culture eats strategy for breakfast, team health eats culture for lunch, right? <laughs> and so we need to get team health to get a great culture that can eat that strategy and achieve it together. Yeah, excellent. 
Um, well, uh, I would guess you can read more uh, about these items in the book, The Human Team, um, which we will link to in the show notes here. And uh, Jeanette Wade, thank you so much for uh, explaining these for us. Thank you, Matt. Thanks for joining us today. Once again, I'm Mike Munzenrider with Fender Bender, and this was Collision Cast. Thank you.